Mesechs de Mai, Perak Aleph, Mishnah Gimel, until Perak Base, Mishnah Base. As we have explained, if one buys produce from an Amharetz, from somebody who doesn't necessarily know all of the laws, and therefore is not necessarily reliable to have separated the Maestras, the tithes, so that produce which you buy from him is known as Demai, and the buyer needs to separate the Maestras himself, with the exception of Trumagdoila. Now because the entire obligation of separating Maestras from Demai is out of doubt, we're not sure whether the Amharetz separated Maestras himself, because of that, there are a number of leniencies applied to Demai. And our mission is going to list a number of things, which when it comes to regular produce, they only need to be tithed midrabonon. But midraisa, these things don't need to be tithed. So when it comes to Demai, those things which are only obligated in Maestras midrabonon do not need to be tithed. For example, halukeach lazera. If somebody buys produce from an Amharetz with the intention of planting it, or Vlabahema, he wants to feed it to his animals, or if he buys flour from the Amharetz to smear it onto animal hides in order to turn them into leather, if he buys oil for the sake of a candle, for light, or to burn something, or if he buys oil in order to smear utensils, perhaps to preserve them for a longer time. In all these cases, the buyer is exempt from demai, which means he is exempt from tithing the produce of demai. And again, this is because mid one is only obligated to tithe produce if it's going to be eaten, or drank, or smeared on the person's body. But if it's for any of these purposes, then it's only obligated mid and therefore, in a case of Demai, it is totally exempt. Now, mid only produce which grows in Eretz Israel is obligated in Maestras. So whatever was conquered during the time of Yeshua, that became obligated on a mid level in Maestras. However, after the destruction of the first base Hamikdash, the Jewish people were exiled, they went to Bovel, and 70 years later, they went up back to Yerushalayim with Ezra, and they reconquered Eretz Israel. However, not all of the original Eretz Yisrael was gained back, and therefore not all of the original Eretz Yisrael regained that holier status which Eretz Yisrael has. Which meant that now, only the bits which were conquered the second time, produce which grew there, would be obligated Midoraisa in Maestras. But in the other parts of Eretz Yisrael, they were no longer obligated Midoraisa only Midrabanon. So once again, since those areas were only obligated in Midrabanon, Mikaziv Ulahalon, from the place called Kaziv, which was towards the north of Eretz Yisrael, and that was the first part in the north of Eretz Yisrael, which was not regained at the time of Ezra. It didn't regain that holy status, and therefore it was only obligated in Midrabanon. So Potamina Demai, it's exempt from Demai, which again means that the buyer does not need to separate the Maestras from that Demai produce. And in fact, if you buy produce in Kaziv, or further up north, you can assume that it grew there. You don't need to worry that they bought it from the actual holier part of Eretz Israel. Rather, since we're buying it there, you can assume it grew there, and therefore is exempt in the case of Demai. The Mishnah will now list a few more things which are exempt from Demai, and the reason which we're going to understand for these things is that because they have a very holy status, the vast majority of Ami Haaretz would be careful to tithe them. Number one, chalas amharetz. The chala, which is the portion of the dough which goes to a kohen, if you buy that from an amharetz, the hamaduma. Maduma refers to a mixture of chulin and truma. If, for example, a piece of truma food falls into a mixture of chulin food, and you're not sure which one was truma, so now the entire mixture becomes forbidden for non-karnim to eat. Unless there's a hundred times more chulin than truma, but again, the whole thing basically gains the status of truma. So just like Ami Ha'oret separate Truma Gadoila, they are also assumed to separate the Trumas and the Maestras from this mixture. 
and that which is bought from an Amharetz using money of Maishashani. And this even applies if you're using definite Maishashani money to buy the produce. We assume that the Amharetz is going to make sure to separate Maishas from his produce if he knows that you're going to buy it as Maishashani. And finally, Shari Hamanachais and the leftovers of a Korban Mincha, which was an offering of flour, and the Kohen would take a handful of flour, burn it on the Mizbeach, and the rest of the flour which was bought, the Kohen would be able to keep that. So if that Kohen was an Amharetz, and somebody buys that from the Kohen, from that Amharetz, again, because he knows it's got a higher and holier status, we can assume that the Amharetz will separate Mises from it, and therefore Petrum Hadamai, the one who's buying it from him, is exempt from separating the Mises from that Demai produce. Now the Mishnah ends off by telling us that Shemen Orev mixed oil, and this is referring to olive oil which was mixed with a few other substances and spices, and people usually used it to smear on themselves, on their bodies. So Beishamai say that if it's a case of demai, if you buy that oil from an Amharetz, you're obligated to tithe it, because since it's sort of consumed by the body, Beishamai view it as drinking. It's like you're drinking the oil, which means that that is like regular produce which is obligated mid in Maestras. However, we still Patreon, we still say you're exempt in a case of demai. Because according to Beis Hillel, something which is not really eaten, such as this, it's mixed with all sort of things, so one would rarely eat it, so therefore you're allowed to smear it on your body without separating Maestras. Misha Dalad, we're now going to see even more leniencies which apply to demai. And the first few of these leniencies are really based on one leniency. And that is, we're going to learn at the beginning of the third parak that poor people are allowed to eat demai without separating the Maestras from it. Now, if you think about it, at any point, one is able to make themselves poor. They can declare that all their property should become ownerless, which makes them poor, which makes them able to eat demai. And because of this, even though it's forbidden to eat demai without separating the maestras, if one does eat it, it's not considered such a severe avera, because he could potentially have eaten it in a permitted way. And because of this, we're going to have a number of leniencies where we view demai as permitted produce and not as produce which is forbidden to be eaten. So because of this, had demai, when it comes to demai produce, from which the maestras have not yet been taken, Ma'orivin Boyu can use it to make an Erev. Now there are two types of Erev which the Mishnah is referring to here, and the first one is an Erev Tuchumin. On Shabbos, it's forbidden to walk more than 2,000 Amas outside of the city. However, if you place two meals worth at the edge of those 2,000 Amas, then you're allowed to travel another 2,000 Amas, but you have to use permitted food. So the mission is telling us that Demai is considered permitted in this regard, because you could technically make yourself permitted to eat it. The other area of which the mission is referring to is area of Chatziris, and that is that if lots of people share a courtyard, so there's a courtyard and there's a few houses which open out into that courtyard, in order to be allowed to carry in the courtyard on Shabbos, all of the residents of the house, of the houses, need to put some food in one of the houses. So you can use the my food for that, and then they'll all be able to carry from their houses into the courtyard, and from the courtyard into their houses. And you can also use the my produce to make a shit of mavoyais, which is very similar to Eir of Chatzirais, but this allows the various residents of a courtyard to carry in a side street. This is referring to a case where there's a side street and a number of courtyards open into the side street. So in order for the residents to carry from the courtyards into the side street or from the side street into the courtyards, they also need to get food and put all of their food into one of the courtyards and that joins them all together and allows them to carry there on Shabbos. And once again, it has to be permitted food. And we view Demai as permitted food because he could make it permitted for himself. Now it's learned from a posuk that to make a bracha on forbidden food is considered blasphemous towards Hashem. It's considered like disgusting for Hashem. 
However, when it comes to demai, it's not considered that forbidden, and therefore, mavorchnolov, you are allowed to make a bracha before eating the demai, or mazamnolov, and you would make a zimun, which is when people bench together, and this is really also referring to the benching itself, you would make a bracha after eating the demai produce, because it is not considered as forbidden as most forbidden foods. When separating mices from normal tevel produce, tevel being produce which the mices have certainly not been separated from, you know that as a fact, a bracha is made. Now the halacha is that one is not allowed to make a bracha unclothed. However, since one does not make a bracha when separating the mices from demai, and the reason for this is because since the whole obligation is out of doubt, there's a rule that when it comes to something which is midrabbonon, if it's a doubtful case, we're lenient. And one application of that is the rule sofik brachas lahokel. If there's a doubtful case with regards to making a bracha, which in general is midrabbonon, one does not make the bracha. So since the mai is a doubt, it could be that you're not really separating mysus because the mysus have already been separated, so therefore you do not make a bracha on, upon doing so, and because of that, you can separate the mysus unclothed because you need not make a bracha. In addition, you can separate the maestros during twilight of Erev Shabbos. Now, when it comes to Tevel and Demai as well, it's forbidden to separate maestros on Shabbos. The reason being that just like it's forbidden to fix something on Shabbos, making something which was forbidden to eat, permitted to be eaten, is like fixing it so Mijabonon it's forbidden to do so on Shabbos. Now, when it comes to Tevel, even during the Benashmoshes, during twilight, where it's a doubt as to whether it's still the daytime or now it's the nighttime on Shabbos, even during that doubtful period of time, it is also forbidden to separate Maestras, in case it's Shabbos. However, for Demai, even though the prohibition remains on Shabbos itself, during twilight as Shabbos is coming in, you are allowed to separate the Maestras, because you're not definitely fixing something, because it's possible that it's already fixed, it's possible that the Amharits did separate the Maestras. Now, as you mentioned in the previous Mishnah, on Erev Shabbos of the 4th and the 7th year of the Shemitah cycle, there's something known as Beer, when you've got to make sure that all the Maestras have been given to their rightful owner, and Maestrasheni has been destroyed. Now, another part of Beer is that one would go to the Beit HaMikdash, and he would do what is called Vidui HaMaestras, where he declares to Hashem, or to the Karnim at the Beit HaMikdash, that he has given all the tithes that he needs to, and he's also done it in the correct way. Now there's a specific order which one needs to follow when separating the tithes. And if you don't do it in the right order, of course the tithes are still valid. However, you can no longer say Vidui HaMaisras because part of the Vidui HaMaisras is saying that you did it in the correct way, but you didn't. However, when it comes to Demai, Ho'im Hikdim Maisarusheni Larishain, and some don't have the version of Ho'im, rather their Mishnahis read V'im, which means if he separated Maisarusheni before Maisarusheni, that's the wrong order. In B'chach Klum, there's nothing in this, meaning it doesn't matter, and he is still allowed to say Vidu HaMaisras. Now, the Mishnah ends off by telling us that Shemen Shehagardi Oisov, oil which a weaver smears onto his fingers. This is to protect them while he is weaving. Chayv Badmai, that oil would be obligated in Demai. He would need to separate the tithes before doing that, because as mentioned in the previous Mishnah, smearing liquids onto one's body is considered like drinking it. On the other hand, Vishah Sirik Nosen Batsemer, the oil which a comber, somebody who combs the wool to make it not tangled up anymore, that's part of the processing of the wool, so the oil which the comber puts into the wool in order to make it easier to comb, that gets totally absorbed into the wool. He's not spraying it onto his own body, and therefore potman ademai, it's exempt from demai, which once again means that the person who does that with demai produce does not need to separate the maestras from that oil. Perigbeis, a couple of Mishnahis ago, we explained that when Ezra came up, and reconquered Eretz Yisrael at the time of the beginning of the second Beit HaMikdash, not everything that had been conquered during the time of Yeshua was conquered again. So, for example, in the north, 
from Kaziv and upwards towards Eretz Yisrael was no longer obligated to Araisa in the tithes, and when it comes to Demai, even Midrabon they're exempt. And we explained there that if one buys produce in Kaziv, for example, he can assume that it also grew in Kaziv. However, in our Mishnah, we're going to list things, the Elud Varim, the following things are the species that Miss Astrin Demai Bechol Mokoim, that Mises would have to be separated, even if it's Demai, Bechol Mokoim, in any place that you purchase them. Now, this does not mean in any place in the world. Rather, it means in any place of the original Eretz Yisrael, even if it wasn't reconquered. So, for example, Kaziv, if you purchase the following species there, you still need to separate Maestras. The reason being that it's clear that they came from the actual Eretz Yisrael, which was reconquered, because the produce which grew there, for these species at least, was different to that which grew outside of Eretz Yisrael. So, what are those things? Had the Vela, pressed figs, the figs which grew in Eretz Yisrael were different to other pressed figs. They were much sweet, sweeter. The Hatamarim dates, because the dates of Eretz Yisrael were much larger. So if you buy a large date in Kaziv, you would know that it came from Eretz Yisrael, and therefore you do have to separate the Maestros. They're Choruvin. Carobs, they're much more straight in Eretz Yisrael. So if you buy a straight caramel in Kaziv, you would have to separate the Maestros. Ho'irez, rice. Eretz Yisrael rice was extra white. Ba'kamayin and cumin, some sort of spice, which again, in Eretz Yisrael itself, was different. Now there's a difference between rice and the other species which we listed. When it comes to the other species, not every single one of them in Eretz Yisrael was different. For example, not every one of the pressed figs in Eretz Yisrael was extra stru- it was extra sweet. However, all of the extra sweet ones came from Eretz Yisrael. So there were no extra sweet ones in Chutz Laretz, outside of Eretz Yisrael, but many of the Eretz Yisrael ones were extra sweet. However, when it comes to rice, all of the rice of Eretz Yisrael was different. It was all extra white. And because of this difference, rice which comes from outside of Eretz Yisrael, anybody who makes use of it, for example, anybody who buys it, even in Eretz Yisrael itself, and even if it's being sold together with other Eretz Yisrael produce, still potter will be exempt from separating the maestras, because you know that it certainly came from outside of Eretz Yisrael, because it's not extra white. However, when it comes to the other things listed in our Mishnah, even if you know it came from Chutzla Oretz, from outside of Eretz Yisrael, if it's being sold with Eretz Yisrael produce, then you do need to tithe even the Chutzla Oretz produce, in case you come to confuse it with the Eretz Yisrael produce, and you end up not taking Maestros from the Eretz Yisrael produce, which of course does require Maestros. But again, that does not apply to rice, because rice is easily distinguishable between the Eretz Yisrael rice and the Chutz Oretz rice. Mishnah base. Although the original decree of the Mai was because of Ami Haaretz, who are ignorant people, the decree really includes anybody who is not known to be somebody particular with the laws of Maestras. And that really only includes Tamidi Chachomim and their families. But other than that, Hamakabal Olav Lies Neamon, one who accepts upon themselves to be trusted such that if he sells produce to somebody and he claims that he has separated Maestras, the buyer will not need to separate Maestras. It won't become Demai. What does he need to do? What should he do to become reliable in terms of Maestras? The answer is, Ma'ases Shu'eichel. First of all, he has to separate Maestras from everything that he eats. If he buys something from an Amaretz, of course he has to separate Maestras from it, as well as anything from his own field. He also separates Maestras from the produce which he grew and is selling on so that he doesn't cause other people to eat tevel v'esrilokeach, and also that which he buys from other people. Even if he's not going to eat it himself, let's say he's going to buy it and then sell it on to somebody else. Again, he still separates mices from there. And also, he makes sure not to be a guest of an amha'aretz in case he comes to eat his untithed produce, or his possibly untithed produce. So only somebody who accepts all of this upon himself, and he declares in front of three men, 
that he is accepting all of these things upon himself. And as well as that, witnesses testify that he is indeed doing these things. At that point, then he becomes a Naaman and is no longer considered an Amharetz in this regard. And in order to remain a Naaman, he has to keep on doing these things. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, Even somebody who is a guest at an Amharetz's house, he remains believed. So if he already gained the status of a Naaman and he accepted upon himself not to be a guest of an Amharetz, if after that he is a guest and he doesn't do it on a regular basis, then that's fine. He still believed in terms of his own produce that he separates all the mices from there. So if you buy something from him, you can still assume that he's separated mices from it. However, Omulod al-Chachom said to him, He's not believed on himself, meaning he's not even careful about not eating Tevan himself because he ate by an Amharetz. So if that's the case, then How can he be believed for others? Meaning if others buy produce from him, how can they believe that he separated mice on their behalf, if he's not even careful about separating mices for the food which he eats himself, because he ate by an Amoretz who possibly did not tithe his produce.